of the uh, Punch Drunk Comedy Boxing Podcast with uh, my good self, Garrett Mochler, and uh, my excellent friend, Richard Mills. How you doing? Uh, you all right? Yeah, I'm all right, mate. <laughs> so uh, I'd t- I go so far as to say the number one comedy boxing podcast. Oh, out there. we're definitely the number one. On the I basis mean, that I searched online and couldn't find any, any others. Yeah. So, yeah, we're taking that crowd. So we're definitely number one. And if anybody's out there and you fancy challenging us, well, we're well up for Bring that, it on. We yeah. love a bit of a scrap. So, um, yeah. Love, two big boxing fans love boxing and love talking nonsense. And this so. week, people, we've got a Floyd... Well, we're titling it a Floyd Mayweather special. Oh, indeed. It is, because we've got his mega super fight coming up with Canelo Alvarez. But more importantly, we've got an interview with the big oh, man himself. Oh, my God, I can't believe it. Which, I'm frankly, so wasn't easy to get. No. So, um, it involved you with a uh, uh, team money... Uh, <laughs> me team money. tweeting pictures of my girlfriend to him, <laughs> hoping that he'd respond. Left, right, and... and and that was enough, frankly. Yeah, luck would have it. If there's one thing Floyd <laughs> likes, it's, it's fans. So. so he's coming up later on the show. And we've got, um, what else we have? Yeah, we're go? coming. It's a back-to-back episodes because you're going away, aren't you? Yeah, I'm going into... I'm going to be in Spain, Spain. Uh, next week, which um, ooh, which reminds me, there's a... I read this on... Where did I read it? It was on the internet or on Twitter or something. But um, I'm going to be in northern Spain up in the Basque region, which is just down the road from uh, Pamplona, where the running of the bulls goes on. Oh, right. Who's going to be there? Um, who's the who's the best boxer pretty much actor, everywhere the crystal Billy Crystal <laughs> <laughs> pretty sure he did a film about the running of the bulls good answer or, or something like that even better better than Billy Crystal Audley Harrison is going to be down oh, in oh fuck off just the way I read it maybe I misunderstood this but um, there was a prize fighter competition <laughs> just went a bit right the way I understood it was that um, what they normally do is like open a big gate and all the bulls come out Oh, yeah. I under- Again, I might have misread this, but the way I understood it is they employed Audley to come over and he's the one... Oh, <laughs> seriously. He, like, drags the gate back and just turns around and takes <laughs> off running. <laughs> he's a big lad. Surely he'll be at the side. No, no, the way literally he pulls it open and just, like, takes off and all these bulls come after him. For, oh. I don't know, some charity thing or I don't know what it was, but oh, mate, I'm planning on being there. I might <laughs> get tickets over there. <laughs> Joining in, oh, but... Um, I've been thinking, actually, recently that... Um, of introducing a regular segment to the show called uh, What's Audley Been Up To This Week? Nice. <laughs> and I'll be honest, I haven't really thought it through. But it, I'm guessing it's going to just involve me going on his Twitter page and just passing on well, information. If he, if he leads the exciting life that he's leading this weekend, then I'll... Uh, anyway, yeah, if you get a picture with him... Oh, yeah. I'm planning yeah. to get one as he's half mauled and trying to oh. punch a bull in the face. No, he's a big boy. I reckon he'll be able to... I mean, he's... Doesn't have the greatest movement. Loves running from oh, yeah. big scary boxers. Yeah, so. You've got to bear in mind, he's not going to be trapped in a ring in this one. He'll he's... get out of here. <laughs> Go on, Audley, you can do it. Um, but um, anyway, yeah, we'll uh, crack on with the show. We'll so we'll... Keep th- us posted about that. Try oh, and get absolutely. a picture, yeah? But um, this week, so there's loads of big fights coming up over the next couple of weeks. So uh, we'll review them and got other lots of special stuff coming up. So um... T-minus about 15 minutes till you speak to the cash cow king... Floyd himself. Okay, that's the intro wrapped up, people. Mm-hmm. Let's crack on. Okay, people, so it's time for the news. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the news, yeah. All right. What have you... Um... So, um, I guess we normally don't like to start on a sombre note, but um, we'll do it this week, because um, uh, Tommy Morrison, 
he of Rocky Five fame, who we talked about like a couple of weeks ago, and we did a special back on, I think it was episode three. But um, yeah, sadly passed away. He had HIV for the last like ten or fifteen years. Yeah. And um, anyway, yeah. But um, shout out to the big man because um, by all accounts, he was like a, a nice guy and whatever. But yeah. um, just made a couple of bad life decisions, real yeah. bad. Well, happens to everybody, doesn't it? Exactly. But uh, anyway, yeah. Okay, um, next up we will go in. I've got a bit, I mean, you may have heard, Manny Pacquiao has reportedly suffered an ankle injury during a game of basketball. Hang on. Um, <laughs> the way I understood how that happened is that, so he plays out in like, uh, the Philippines, so he's dancing around the place. I heard that Freddie Roach was on the court and uh, Pacquiao came up with like a big slam dunk, but he's only like tiny. And the way I heard it, he'd like challenge Roach and Roach just came out in the court, played like a bit of strong D and came uh... down and just... Boom. Over the top, smashed into pieces. Really? Yeah, yeah. That's I mean, what I read. I mean, we all know that Freddie. He's a bad man. He's a bad man. <laughs> <laughs> don't ever show that. Don't ever stare the man in the face because he will mess you up. Even that, he'll bite your eyeballs out. You got it right. No, we, we need to go over that again because that was episode one, and I don't think we even have it up on iTunes. But for you listeners, keep tuned because we've got a fantastic Freddie Roach eyeball. Eating, he didn't eat it. He just bit it out of yeah. somebody's. Yeah, the biggest load of fucking mm-hmm. bollocks. <laughs> we'll cover that later. But he swears, too, like, he oh, swears oh. blind. We'll do it maybe next week. Yeah. Maybe, maybe at the end of the show. Maybe. <laughs> Who knows, mate? Anyway, yeah, I heard uh, Pacquiao sprained his ankle, um, and uh, is that ba- sorry? Is it bad? Is he like, well? Out for... They're not sure the extent, but uh, yeah, they they think he's going to be out for a bit. They don't know if it's going to jeopardize. They don't think it's going to jeopardize his Rios fight because that's good couple of months away yeah. so i'm sure it's fine but freddie roach was uh quoted as um saying that pacquiao needs to stop playing basketball and concentrate on boxing did you call it a nancy boy yeah, sport he, said, he, he said it's a nancy boy um girl sport <laughs> and he doesn't have any time for it understandable Damn he says politics it's, it's for big up. tall fairies who um who don't know they were born <laughs> <laughs> Which is a hell of a quote from a yeah. again a dangerous man. Me personally, I, I like a bit of basketball. It's quite it's, it's good. Yeah, I'm not the biggest fan. Yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Anyway, Manny, get well soon, mate. Um, Absolutely. Right. Next bit of news. Yep. David Price has split from his trainer, Franny oh, yeah. Smith. Yeah, he's decided he's cut ties with him. Um, and he said after rethinking, he's been he's been quite under the radar, hasn't he, since his second loss to Tony Thompson. Understand. He's been evaluating things, and um, you know, I guess. What do you think? Do you think that's a good move for him? Do you think he needs to well, go in a different direction? He certainly wasn't up to the top level, was he? <laughs> given that performance, so so why not, mate? Roll the dice, isn't it? <laughs> Have a stab somewhere else. Might not even have been his fault. That's what I'd tell him. I'd be like, David, mate, you're that bloody trainer, isn't it? <laughs> no, I, yeah, I, I don't know if he's going to continue sort of being trained with Lennox Lewis because obviously he came in for oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't know if he's still going to keep ties with him. Mm. Uh, I don't see why not, I mean, with the experience Lennox has. You never know, it might be a decent move. But, um... Yeah, and moving on from uh, while we're talking of Lennox Lewis, uh, Dr. Iron Fist, a.k.a. Vitali Klitschko, uh, he had a talk with KO Digest recently about his 2003 world heavyweight title fight against Lennox Lewis, um, and he was quoted as saying, in all of his career, he never met anybody as strong or as or as talented an opponent as Lennox Lewis. He said, I never took so many punches. I never looked so horrible as I did in this fight. I'm appreciative that Lennox gave me a chance to prove my skills against the strongest boxer of all time. That's his one. <laughs> 
I don't know if he means like literally just the strongest puncher. And do you know what? Lennox fucking was. He had one of the. You talk about one shot. He was just very reluctant to. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he if he saved was... him up, didn't he, mate? I don't know if it was Ernie Shaver's tough punching, but um. Well, I'd tell you when he when he wanted to when he really went for it. That that he had long arms, mate. He had. <laughs> long arms you get a lot of generate a lot of power in that straight right arm of his and as I say he wasn't an aggressive star. he wasn't like a Lewis or a, uh, a Lewis sorry I mean it wasn't like a Tyson or a, or a Foreman who came out and blew people out of water but yeah. I think he was you know he had some serious zip oh. but maybe it, just means he's the best all round I was gonna say, oh well I was going to say if he's talking about the um, greatest boxer of all time that uh Oh, let me, uh, heavyweight, heavyweight, heavyweight indeed. Let me go on to like a, a sidetrack for a second. For like anyone listening at home, if you're a big fan of like uh, boxing books or whatever, there's one called um, Sweet Thunder, and it's uh, the life and times of Sugar Ray Robinson. It's by this um, cultural historian called uh, Will Hay Haygood. And um, I'll tell you this story because it's because he is the greatest boxer of all time. He is actually Robinson. Without a shadow of a doubt, is the greatest yeah. uh, boxer. But um, basically, this book—I'll just be kind of brief about it—but it, but it uh, focuses a lot on the kind of lifestyle of the 1950s and how Robinson himself was like influenced by jazz and how that uh, altered his kind of view of American Europe. And um, it absolutely doesn't read like any kind of typical boxing uh, biography. It's much, much better written from uh, than that. Anyway, there's um, a two-page kind of anecdote in the middle of the book. And it's just one of my favourite stories. So um, there's this little uh, Jewish kid, and he completely idolises Sugar Ray. So uh, the kid's parents aren't like boxing fans or anything, and they're pretty much worrying that their kid is spending like too much time. He cuts news articles out by Sugar Ray Robinson, just papers. How old is he, did you say? He's literally, at this stage, he's maybe 10. Oh, mate, he's amazing. He's like... um... Again, like, it's like a Jewish version of uh, Short Round from Indiana Jones. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he keeps like, kind of, like stuff out of the newspaper, re-reads them over and over again, has this like encyclopedic knowledge of uh, of his uh, boxing hero. And then um, the parents kind of... They realise their kid's a maniac, but there's just nothing they can do that about maniac's it. maniac's a bit strong. He just happens to take a shining to one of the greatest uh, living mm. people. But I will tell you, apparently Sugar Ray Robinson, he was an absolute... Arsehole to deal with in financial terms. Well, okay, right. Let me <laughs> let me go on. So, uh, anyway, so this kid saves up enough money, so he gets from his house where he lives in Coney Island to uh, Sugar Ray's gym in Harlem. So uh, one day, he saves up enough money and just bunks a day off school. So uh, again, he's about ten years old. Heads there all by himself, and uh, apparently at the time it cost like twenty four cents if you want to go in and see like a Robinson train. So uh, this gym is like fairly packed. But the kid is there just all by himself, just watching his idol. Anyway, he comes up the first day, decides, love that. Bunks the next day off school. Bunks the next day. He goes for like almost like a week, just by himself, <laughs> travelling every day. He's the best kid ever. <laughs> and uh, what happened is Sugar Ray's trainer just realized, looks over one day and sees that this kid is literally the only white person. And he's come for like a week straight. <laughs> and so basically he nods, he uh, asks... Like, uh, the kid goes over to his name and kind of... The trainer nods to Sugar Ray to get his attention. And then uh, Sugar Ray gets out of the ring, walks over, and he comes up to the kid and goes, Mate, why are you out of school? And the kid's reply is, You're my hero and I love you. <laughs> Best kid ever. Right, Robinson just can't help you, you don't, like, touch yeah. that this little uh, Jewish kid has travelled all the way across the of city uh, for, like, a week straight to come to him and train. So, basically, sits the kid down, lets him watch, and then the kid is, like, super excited, and then, like, afterwards, he, um... He's like clinging on to Sugar Ray Robinson, and Robinson goes, <laughs> thinks it'd be funny, goes, uh, do you want to meet the halfway champion of the world, Joe Lewis, because he's, uh, <laughs> he's just next door. The kid's eyes just, bang, light up with a chance. So anyway, he goes into a dressing room, and uh, Sugar Ray Robinson goes to him, uh, yeah, mate, just go in there and pull back the curtain. 
goes in, Joe Lewis, <laughs> walks over, pulls back the curtain. Joe Lewis is standing there, ball ass naked in the shower. <laughs> the kid walks straight in, literally walks in under the water and shakes Joe Lewis's oh, hand. Oh my god. So, anyway, they, to <laughs> quicken this up, so the kid starts going to the gym like every chance he gets. Every day he calls up, he calls up Sugar Ray's secretary and just, how's the champ doing? How's he getting on? Is he eating well? Is he training well? Uh, what condition is he in? Basically, when he gets oh, older, he, he keeps doing this. He keeps on going to see Sugar Ray for the next like, couple of months and years. And what he used to do was, Anytime he got himself like a new girlfriend, he'd drive up to Sugar Ray's gym, beep, beep, on the horn, and then uh, Sugar Ray would just come out, lean into the car and say, hey, meet the, like, the new girlfriend and say, hey, this like, kid, he's like the greatest guy in the world. <laughs> All this. Anyway, so this went on for like year, years on end. Eventually, obviously, like, the kid grows up, proposes to one of the girls that he had taken over oh, to yeah. Sugar Ray's gym. And Sugar Ray, mate, do you want to be my best man? Sugar Ray, you're absolutely, obliges, oh shows up. They have the kids' engagement party at his bar that Sugar Ray used to run in Harlem. Yeah. And uh, stayed friends for the rest of their life. Because oh, no, one day he showed up and said, you're my hero and I love you. Yeah, it's hard to, it's hard to know who comes out better of that story. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's definitely the kid, but I, yeah. As I say, Sugar Ray Robinson's probably one of my favourite of all time. Yeah, but fantastic. Porn, apparently an absolute nightmare to do financial times. With. He'd often, he'd demand X amount of money and then he'd turn up on the fight, decide he wanted more. And if they said no, he'd go, right, well, I'm just not, right, I'm, I'm just not fighting them. <laughs> and it, it's your problem, mate. I'm not fighting them. And they'd just be held to ransom every time. A little bit like um, Jimi Hendrix when he was in his bands early on. Um, he used to pawn off his guitar before gigs, yeah. uh, get all the money, um, buy whatever it was he would buy. Drugs. Probably, probably um, a bit acid. Buy that, and then the rest of the band mate would be like, "Jimmy, mate, we're about to go." And he's like, "Yeah, I, I like, yeah, we're about to go in a couple of hours. Uh, do you want to warm up?" He's like, "Yeah, I, I don't have my guitar." And they're like, "What, what do you mean? You don't have your guitar?" He goes, "Yeah, I pawned it. Needed some cash." And they're like, "What?" And he goes, "I uh, well, tell you what, you go down and you buy it back for me, and we'll uh, crack on there." And they were like, um, "What? What?" And they're just like, yeah, shit, he is pretty much this band. <laughs> he, is, he is the focus point. Every, and this wasn't something he did once. He would do this every time, like multiple times. And they were just held to ransom like, yeah, we've got to do it because without him, we're nothing. So there you go. Lovely story of slagging off the memory of Jimmy, Jimmy, know, Hendrix. Jimmy, Jimmy Hendrix and Sugar Ray Robinson. They'd be two of my favourite people. Absolutely, I'm just saying. But uh, what else? Do we have any like uh, proper news from like in the last 20, 30, 40 years? Uh, any other proper news? Yeah, um, do we have any? No, I think that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess like the main uh, focus for this uh, week's show is going to be like the, again, there's so many previews to get through. I do have this note here on my notes, which has been on for about six or seven weeks, which just reads, could any boxer get away with punching a gorilla in the face? <laughs> question mark. Important <laughs> question to ask. Oh, I think so. I, no, there is some relevance to this because in one of the episodes we discussed, we, yeah, as I say, I can't remember why it was brought well, up. It wasn't Chuck Wettner fighting the bear from last week. No, no, this was something specifically about a gorilla and I just that question popped up in my head. And I thought, I'll maybe ask this next week, but I forgot. And it's been about five weeks, and I decided if I don't mention it now, it's never going to be. So, anyway, listeners, we throw this out here as a bit of boxing news. I mean, <laughs> clutching at straws here, but could any, or if so, which which boxer could get away with it? I mean, some people might say Paulie, Paulie Malinaggi might stand the best chance the just because the, the gorilla might not even know he's been hit. <laughs> 
So you come up from behind, lamp him with a big left hook, and yeah, the, the gorilla's just not even doesn't even know what's going on. Why is this small New Yorker petting me? Well, yeah, well, he's <laughs> he's friendly. <isn't> he? <laughs> so there's him, you and, then that there's, one and then there's the other options of somebody just like I don't know who could who could. You'd want a big bruiser who's really going to go straight for it. You reckon? Yeah, absolutely. There's nowhere else to do in. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, we'll throw that one open to the listeners. <laughs> Write your own punchline that's for that. That's something to bear in mind, yeah. <laughs> okay, so that's the end of the news. And coming up now, we're very pleased to say, just moments away, we've got the big man, Floyd Money Mayweather, live from Vegas. Woo! So here he is, the moment we've all been waiting for. The cash cow. 44 wins, 26 KOs, the no losses. pay-per-view. No draws. There he goes. pound for pound boxer in the world. Absolutely one of the greatest fighters left, like ah, 50 years of boxing. Floyd, how you doing, my son? Great to have you on the show. Hey, how you doing? I'm not no former number one pound for pound fighter. I'm, I'm just saying I'm the best fighter in, in the sport of boxing. No one has dethroned me, so how am I not pound for pound the best fighter in the world? You tell me. Oh, no, no, no. Sorry, uh, Sorry, I think you must have uh, misheard us, Floyd, mate. Uh, no, we're saying you are the pound for pound. We're huge fans. Absolutely, just one of the greatest boxers. Uh, defensive defense genius. skin. Best, best, uh, I, highest boxing IQ. We're really uh, just privileged huge fans. Absolutely. We're really proud. I can't tell you what an honour it is to have you on the show. Well, you know, you always give me a hard time. You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't ever give me the credit that I really deserve. Uh, well, no, no. Sorry, mate. Yeah, listen, we'll move on. Um, yeah, we are massive fans, but... Um, Let's let's talk about your upcoming fight with Canelo Alvarez. What's wh- how do you feel about him? He got a whole he got a country behind him. A country, a country. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a fair point, isn't it? He does. Absolutely. He's huge got support. huge following. So bearing that in mind, Floyd, and you know, with all this talk about it being his time, that he's gonna, it's his time to reign in boxing. How how does that make you feel? Do you find this? Do you find is this threatening towards you? Like like I said before, I've been dominating the sport for I don't know how many years, and I had to ask you another question. What was Pacquiao in '97, '98? 99. Okay, just bring it back to this fight rather than uh, kind of Pacquiao. Um, where do you see your tactics against Canelo? Again, he's got like immense power. Where do you see yourself going? What uh, tactics are you going to employ? Well, what's more impressive is uh, Oscar De La Hoya, when I fought him, he fought at his, at his walking around weight, which is 154. And he was, when, he, when he made 147, he was a dead man and he was fighting in eight ounce gloves. And uh, when I fought Oscar De La Hoya, they gave me some 10 ounce gloves, some heavyweight 10 ounce gloves. And um, <clears throat> when I fought Hatton, I knocked Hatton out with 10 hours gloves on, stepping back when he was undefeated. Yeah, come on, Floyd. I mean, we want to know about the Alvarez fight. Would you? Can you just give us a little insight into what your tactics are going to be? I just answered your question. There's clearly like a bit of tension, but um, let me just ask you, Floyd. Let me just ask you something quick before we go. Again, we're huge. We're like huge fans. So, um, what do you think of the show? What do you think of uh, our presenting style? My colleague Richard is sitting here, huge fan. What do you think of him? Uh, 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 a man of many traits, a master of nothing. Well, yeah, I guess he makes a fair point there, doesn't he? <laughs> a, bit, a bit harsh, but. Uh, Again, thanks. And thanks, thanks for your time. I wish you all the best in your recent uh, upcoming fight. That's uh, yeah against Canelo, and uh, yeah, speak to you after the fight. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully. Man, take care. Cheers, fights. <sighs> what a prick! <laughs> <laughs> that man does not like you. 
don't know what's going on. It wasn't even that easy mate. to piss them off. You only had them on the phone for like three minutes and you can imagine. Oh, I don't know, mate. <laughs> and then again, so it wasn't easy getting that. We'll try and get them back for, um, yeah, after like the fights and stuff. But um, yeah, he does not like sticking, you. <laughs> sticking his bollocks, mate. He's not even Irish. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we'll move on to the next part of the show. That was, I liked it anyway. Yeah. But anyway, we're looking at the... Um... Try and get soul on next next time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That is a good idea. Unless one of us learns Spanish, obviously. Nah, we'll wing it, mate. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get Roberto Duran on. Oh, no, he's fighting. Uh, yeah. And then, okay, we'll go into the uh, next part of the show. So we're looking at the um, reviews. Okay. Those are reviews. Uh, previews, I beg your pardon. No reviews. We're not going to bother reviewing any this week. Not this week. So, um, again, like there's a couple of massive fights coming up. We'll talk about the one with uh, Mayweather. But uh, to kick us off... The uh, first fight of the uh, weekend. Ricky so Burns. One, Ricky Burns, indeed. So it's going to be on Saturday, the 7th of September. Lightweight division for... Um, Bur- Again, fighting up in Glasgow. There's a couple of home fights on the trot. Well, yeah. So uh, Burns versus uh, Raimundo Beltran. A real tough Mexican. Tough as nails. Real tough. Great, great inside fighter. Loves going to the body. Got a good left hook. Can bang with both hands. Um, yeah, I think, you know, a lot of people... He's not very well known, is he, in the UK? But no. um, I think, you know, he's a, he's actually a very tough opponent for Ricky and no walk in the park by any means. I haven't uh, seen, like, a huge number of his fights, but, um, again, the, what I understand is... Yeah. Well, yeah, tough more than anything. And I think also the, the kind of the calibre of opponents that he's faced and fought, you, you could argue, are, are better than... Ricky's. You reckon? What they like wow. to Katsidis, I don't know, Kevin Mitchell. That last one against Gonzalez where Ricky Burns just I wouldn't say scraped through, but he wasn't oh, boxing his best. He but showed um, a lot of heart, but yeah. Yeah, he got the job done, he Yeah, I'd imagine this, that um because uh in Burns' last fight he had like six or eight months off, came back and then didn't look fantastic. Muscled through like a real champion, had like an incredible heart to yeah. step it up in the last um, round eight or round nine. But that guy, ha- I mean, wow, he was a ma- he's a future world champion. That Gonzalez, Gonzalez. and he's yeah. real young, yeah, yeah. But uh, anyway, that one to kind of look forward to. Yeah, you see, I'm thinking that you know, Ricky already proved how great he's got a solid chin and he's got bags of heart because. The shots he was taking in that fight and the way he didn't... I mean, he was lost a lot of rounds. Some would argue pretty much all of them. <laughs> um, but he stuck in there. And that that's something that, you know, you can't buy a quality like that. That is... There's yeah, a absolutely. rare few boxers that have that. So I just wonder with this, I think it is going to be a tough fight. And I've heard some people saying, Do you know what, I fancy an upset here. Me... No, Didn't I don't. Didn't Pacquiao say I that think he thought Beltran was going to win? Yeah, there's quite a few. I don't know about Pacquiao, mate. He's too busy playing basketball, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> not going not gonna to take anything he has to say. Um, no, seriously, though, there are actually quite a few people in, in the sport who've been talking, saying, look, I, I think this Beltran is, is going to cause an upset. I think he's a, a really tough guy. Um, the bookies me, don't fancy it, I've got to say. Yeah, but I wonder how much of that is just because bookies, you, you always get lopsided odds if you're in a country. Ricky Burns is a huge name. He's a big star. Yeah, true. You're never going to get the odds that you are necessarily accurate. But I, I do think I'm. I still think Ricky's going to get the job done. I think he's going to get a points decision. I think they're both very tough. They both can go to the body. But, <laughs> For regular um, listeners, if you're a big fan of Richard Mills's, oh, guarantees, guarantees mate. Whatever you do, do the opposite, and you're locked in. Uh-huh. Um, we all remember Chad Dawson is definitely, definitely, <laughs> definitely winning that. And the other thing Donald is, Stevenson. and then the other one, Nathan Cleverley's not going to get knocked out. Um, <laughs> Classicals. And we got another classic one coming right to you. No, I do. I think you know. 
Ricky's proved that he can he can mix it up. He can he can go to war. But I do think it's in his interest in this one to stay on the outside, try and use a bit of a jab and box on the outside because Beltran he does come forward. That's how he likes. He likes it on the inside. He's tough and that's what suits him. He's gonna be he's gonna be stalking Ricky down. And but I I fancy. I mean you you can't question the guy's heart after that last fight. Absolutely. And I think. I think Gonzalez is a better fighter than than Beltrand, although he doesn't have the same heart. Mm. <laughs> um, he doesn't on. have gammy hands either. <laughs> <laughs> I'll move on to the next one. I'm just going to bring this up uh, quickly, only that I like the heavyweight division. So um, Seth Mayhem Mitchell. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, coming up against big Chris Ariola. Oh, yes. And, uh, yo, why did I bring this up? It's only for the fact that I love a good heavyweight fight and uh, Ariola in the last... But he hasn't in the last couple of fights. He lost one against uh, mm. Big Chris. Yeah, he lost against the Canadian. What's his name? Yeah, um, Romain Citron. <laughs> Shall I just say, when I listen back to these shows and try to hear my pronouncements of foreign names, you swear to Christ, I've never been outside of this country. Well, it's unbelievable. You haven't been outside of the country many times. So well, know, that's true. Be, but he's got a fight with Vitali, hasn't he? After that performance, after being Chris Chris Ariola, Big Chris. Really? Yeah. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, Vitali's next opponent. But anyway, we're not talking about that fight. I fancy Big Chris for this. Let's cut straight to the nub and the matter. I here. completely agree. <laughs> um, I fancy... I, I looked at... Uh, I think Seth Mitchell got a lot of... He was built up quite a lot, especially in the American, as um, the American public was, you know, here's a massive big hitter. Yep. He's coming in, he's strong, he knocks everybody out. And I just think his performances against Jonathan Banks, much like, in a way... The David Price against Tony Thompson, you know, exposed a lot of a lot of things about Seth Mitchell, and I don't know. He, he even in the rematch against Banks, he was getting hit and he looked shaky. I don't think he's got, you know, big Chris. He's he's a skilled for a, yeah. you know, all right. He's not this exactly a slick boxer, is he? But he's got a lot of skill. He's got a lot of experience. He's been in while you know, if you look at the number of fights they've had. Big Chris has been at a top level a lot more. He's got a lot more experience. Seth Mitchell is in another sport. He's in pro football, wasn't he? And oh, wow. I, don't yeah, know I think he jumped across maybe about 20, age 25 or something. He was, okay. he was late to the late to the sport in boxing terms, you know. He had a, a very short amateur career. I just think I just think Big Chris is going to have too much. And I guess I suppose we should say for Chris Ariola. I mean, in terms of his losses, it's only losing to uh, Vitali and then losing to Thomas Adamek. Again, yeah. like their top is straight, and then that Canadian guy. But that was on a unanimous, well, it was a unanimous decision. Uh, you but know, still, went yeah, for 12 I rounds. guess the only thing you you might look at Big Chris, you know, is is his heart, is he a hundred percent focused on this? Is it, you know, there's there's that question hanging over him. You know, mm-hmm. his best days are behind him. Is he really going to be up for this? Does he really definitely have one last one back? Oh yeah, big hurrah! You know, you, you you never know these things, and we'll soon find out. I definitely think he's. He's got the experience and he's got the tools to, get it I think, get it done. Um, then again, you know, you're talking about the heavyweight division. Both guys can always bang. Mm. And um, I just I just look at Seth Mitchell's previous couple of performances and big question marks. Mm. I mean, we'll move on to, uh, I guess, the next one. Because this is, again, like not just the biggest fight of the next couple of weeks. This is the biggest fight of the year so far. <laughs> so Fight of the decade, maybe. It might well be. Saturday, the um, 14th of uh, September... Fighting in Las Vegas, Floyd fights all his. Is fights it around in Las Vegas. the Mexican Independence 
day weekend. I think it is. It? Isn't yeah. it? And um, so again, this is at one hundred fifty-two pound catchweight. So the junior middleweight division, Floyd up against Sol Canelo Alvarez for the ring WBC WBA. It's for the lot, mate. <laughs> <laughs> it's for all the titles. <laughs> Um, no, it's not. It's not. But it's, it's for a lot. I'm it's massively looking forward to this. We won't run through. Well, I won't run well, through. It's, I suppose all the kind of records and stuff. But um, let me ask you something because um, we were talking about Canelo versus uh, Trout a couple of episodes ago, and um, the way I had it, I thought Austin Trout beat Canelo when they fought. And I'll put it this way: shit, I, <laughs> I didn't see that there was anything so amazing about um, how hard Canelo punched against Trout. He's Try it, we'll put it this way, definitely isn't in the same grade as Mayweather. I'll say he was listen, Canelo was real listen. let me say Canelo was real lucky on the judges and um well the judges scorecard. I don't think he showed real particular dominance. He looked slower, stiffer. Was he a bit is he if he didn't dominate uh maybe like a one dimensional trade, does that mean Well, I'm gonna I will answer that question and we will get to it. And I've got quite an interesting perspective on it. Um, purely because I think that's what I'd do if I was Alvarez and I wanted a shot at, at Mayweather. But anyway, first of all, I want to touch on Oscar De La Hoya. He has announced that he has given, he has handed Canelo the blueprint to beat Floyd. Okay? The only problem is that there are rumours within the Canelo camp that Seoul is not 100% confident in Oscar's plan that he's come up with. And there are real divisions in the camp about which approach to take. And, you know, the main issue of concern with Oscar's game plan is that it involves Canelo getting off his nut on Charlie (laughs) (laughs) and coming into the ring in women's underwear. And his plan is that he swears blind that this tactic will throw Mayweather into a total state of confusion and leave him unable to perform in the arena. It would leave me a little bit Exactly. I have to admit, Oscar has a real point here because imagine (laughs) an angry, coked-up Alvarez in fishnet stockings (laughs) and uh, and a bra coming at you, mate. That is one terrifying (laughs) image. I don't care who you are. I've got to say, that quote quote from Oscar about the giving off the blueprint. Yeah. I I mean... Mate, if you lose a fight, it you clearly... can't exactly. Yeah, yeah. if it didn't case. work, it's not the blueprint, is it? You're talking a little bit of shit there, but there is also a rumor that Oscar he's asked, he's tried to convince the shank, uh, sanctioning bodies to allow Canelo to have a, a bathtub in his corner rather than a <laughs> stool, so that in between rounds he can pose erotically on the side. <laughs> um, no, okay, right. I'm being serious. I'm obviously making a joke here about Oscar's uh, crazy drug period where he uh, dressed up in women's underwear. Mm-hmm. I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again. If you haven't seen these pictures, <laughs> even if you have, because every time I check them out again, they still crack me up. Check it out. Type in Oscar De La Hoya, women's underwear or whatever. Fantastic. Really Seriously. Fantastic. Anyway, no, I w- I'm going to answer, move on to your point about the his performance against uh, Trout. Yeah. Uh, so Canelo's performance. Yes, Canelo's performance. Now, okay, I I think certainly early on in the fight, he displayed uh, one of one of the areas of his style that I always had question marks over was his defence. I think in that fight, he proved that he has got seriously good defence. I think he showed, he stayed on the outside. He exhibited to me a a lot of good aspects of boxing, which I previously maybe hadn't seen from him in, in such a sustained long period. I saw he was, he was um, patient. He stuck to the game plan. He didn't lose his head. Now, this is the point I want to make about you saying, blah, 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 talking about his performance wasn't convincing. I've already talked about I don't like open scoring in boxing. This is what this fight had. 
Now, going into the last three rounds, a lot of people said Alvarez, he'd run out of steam, he was all washed out of the tank. No, for me, this is just my view on it, but he, the, they announced the scorecards throughout the fight. He knew he'd already won the fight. Two points. One, what's the point in risking getting involved if you know you've got uh, the biggest payday, the biggest matchup that you've been chasing yep. on the horizon? Why risk uh, doing something stupid when you know the, the fight is in the bag? That's why it just spoils boxing. Now, the other thing I'd say, if if you want to try and land a shot against the biggest fighter who, let's face it, has been notoriously, uh, shall we say, cautious about his choice of opponents, you're not going to go in there and throw your best performance into the ring. You're not going to bang the guy. You're not going to... Exactly. For A, reason A is you're not going to want to give him something to view. You don't... you're not going to show aspects and you know give, give away, away game, your, your game, game plan. plan. And second of all, if you do that, Floyd, let's face it, he is one of the best, but he has been reluctant. He's a cautious man when he selects his opponents. Now, I think cherry picking is is too strong, and I don't agree with those. Should have but, said but that midway through the interview. <laughs> yeah, yeah, then he won't come. He's not coming back anyway, fucking prick. <laughs> <laughs> Only kidding, Floyd, mate. Love you to bits. Um, but yeah, I think, why risk it? If I was a boxer, why would I go in and display some amazing... It, it serves him right. If he wants to even land the fight, you want to show that you're vulnerable. You want to you wanna look that you don't have the stamina. You don't... And that way, Floyd looks at it and thinks... You know, hello, here's this guy. He wants to fight me. Everybody wants to. He's not as good as he's... I'm not saying Floyd would necessarily fall for this, but it doesn't serve Canelo when he's got a fight in the bag to really push it and... I mean, That's a, just one angle. Uh, it's an interesting theory. It's not... I, just, I wouldn't be overly convinced by that uh, he, didn't t- he didn't try his uh, very best against Trent because he was waiting for a super fight. Maybe he did, but it's not up that I can convince me. In any case, I mean, just in terms of how this fight is going to go, in terms of um, the tactics going to be used, Canelo from, again, he's got like huge, he doesn't have like super, super power. He's not like a one punch kind of knockout artist. He's got a great record. But the reason for that is, is his combinations. And occasionally, when he comes in and gets a bit close and starts throwing his hooks, when he tries to land those four or five punch combinations, is that not the type of thing that Floyd can eat? Not easily pick him off, but he's the best in the business. Yeah, at listen, right. Taking that on and really having those counter shots and having those counter hooks to set Canelo back. And Floyd okay. hits hard well, enough to really put him on well, the Well, listen, I, for me, Floyd is a favourite, all right, for this fight. Absolutely, yeah. Not much. I think the main crucial points in it for me are Floyd's experience and his boxing IQ. They're the biggest thing. And I'll highlight, as he proved against Guerrero, one of his great strengths is he has so many different styles he can switch up, whether it's defensive, offensive, and he will switch seamlessly between them in a fight. Now, as an opponent, you're facing a guy, you it takes you a round or two, especially against somebody like Mayweather who brings something different. It takes you time to adjust, to find your rhythm, to find your timing, yeah. to, to work out how to land. Now, with most boxers, yeah, you'll take a couple of rounds and you get your groove and you start working... As Floyd proved against Guerrero, the minute his opponent starts landing or gets a time, Floyd will switch it up. He'll change his style. He'll change something which has massive impact, has massive... If suddenly, as a fighter, you're like, oh, shit, hang on, he's doing something totally different. What I'm doing, it's not working anymore. Boxing is a sweet science. It's a chess game. And Floyd has proved that he is the master of the thinking out there. Now... I think he's, as I said, I think he's the favourite. I think he's got so... It's going gonna, it's gonna to be the hardest fight ever for Canelo. For me, Canelo's best 
option is to try and get to the body early on. If there's one place Floyd, his biggest weakness, because there's no, you know, there's only so much movement you can do with a body. There's only so much blocking. Even if he's blocking it with his arms, you know, Canelo, he's a big puncher. Yep. That, that kind of stuff, it, it wears down. You, you go to the body and to the arms for, and you manage to sustain a six, seven round, round, Beating, pressure. Yeah, pressure on that. Suddenly Floyd, you know, he is getting older. His timing, you know, whether or not we've seen it yet, there can be those millimetres of, of timing, the, the difference in seconds, split seconds rather, shall I say, that can be the difference between just just skimming a punch and missing it and catching a big punch from a, a big hitter, clean, flush. So, as I say, I think... The other thing is, I don't think... Let me interrupt for okay. one second and ask, um, if that's the tactic, so uh, Canal comes in, throws, says, in order to land a load of body punches, that man is going to have to take some serious pounding. Yeah, There's but, no way he yeah, can stand here, in front of Floyd. Here's the point. I think in other fights... Get away with not... In other fights, you take somebody like Guerrero who moves up a weight class. So he's moving up to meet Floyd. If he tries going to the body, you're right. Floyd has amazing counterpunching. You go to the body, you're leaving your chin, you're leaving your head exposed. Floyd is the king of timing and that counter-punching. Then he's a king. He's certainly one of the best in the business. Um, he's got enough power and zip to keep somebody of Guerrero's size moving up and things. He's got enough to keep him honest, keep him at bay, keep him wary, make him think, oh, shit, hang on, I've gone to the body here. Make him fight a different fight. Exactly. I don't think Floyd has coming in against somebody like Canelo. I, Canelo... You mean strength-wise? You think Canelo's strength strong wise, enough to... I think Canelo's got a good enough chin. He's big enough. He's strong enough. He's got enough heart to... I mean, walk-throughs may be strong, but I think he's got enough to to take enough good shots in order to land his own. And I just wonder, that balance, is that going to... Can can he... We saw that Cotto had caused, by the end of the fight, the work he'd done to the body, it was causing Floyd problems late mm-hmm. in the late rounds. I mean, Floyd had done enough to, to get the win, but you just wonder, you know, he's oh, so been in a lot of wars. Uh, funnily enough, I think that's pretty much how the fight is going to go. I think it's going to be Canelo coming in, trying to put on the pain. But um, I think if Floyd is going to be able to counter enough and just enough for each of the rounds, I think if Floyd is taking on decisions. Yeah, listen, that's it. I don't I think, think Canelo, I think though, Canelo has to knock Floyd out. Yeah, I don't think his power is going to be enough to... Or, what's a better way of putting that? I think Floyd's defence, which is almost perfect, is good enough where Canelo can't land enough of those bombs. He can't land enough to really put Floyd down in those trenches where he can't get out. I'll tell you something else I like, which we don't know. A lot of people talk about, you know, Canelo. Who's he... Has he really? He hasn't really fought a top calibre. He hasn't, you know, the big names he's fought. Matthew Hutton? Exactly. (laughs) That shows shows how little people know. No, seriously, right? They talk about the big names he may have fought, they've been at the end of their careers, you know. But I do think, I again, it's not proof, but I really get a sense from interviewing, listening to him, he is a seriously disciplined, intelligent fighter. And people will often say, oh, he's just a big punch of baller comes in, all of this thing. I genuinely, I think he's he's focused from what I've seen. Again, you, you only know so much, but I think he's got the mental to not allow himself to get frustrated. Like Guerrero got very frustrated and yeah. clearly just felt like, I don't stand a chance. Lose the whole thing. I don't think that's going to be a case at all with, with Canelo. I think even if he's losing the fight, he know, he's always can rely on the fact... I can. I've got a neutralizer in my fist. <laughs> I can end this with one punch, and that's something that people like Guerrero and other fighters, when they go in, 
he doesn't have that to rely on. And when you get frustrated and you start losing fights, you know, kind of like, I mean, it's unfortunate for going back to the Canelo versus um, Trout fight, but I, the reason I thought the open scoring ruined that was because not only did it mean Canelo took his foot off the gas, but I also think it, it forced uh, it forced Trout to fight a fight that wasn't in his interest. He heard he was behind on the scorecards, and he started having to go forward and really chase and press a fight. And that's not his style. He's a slick, good boxer. And mm -hmm. I think mentally, even hearing those scorecards, it ruined the fight for him. So that was a shame. But I, mean, I, I do think a psychological thing is going to play a massive part. And I I think Canelo is strong. And I don't think he's going to he's gonna throw it away like some other opponents have done against Floyd. But a massive factor for me... Again, I'm, I'm moving on is this question of the catch weight, of the fact that it's at 152 yep. weight limit. Now, I know a lot of people will say that Canelo's used to fighting at 145. You know, what's the real difference in a couple of pounds? But anybody, four, anybody, yeah. who knows, anybody who knows boxing knows that a pound or two can make a huge difference, especially for somebody... Like, let's point out now that Canelo, this is a guy, he doesn't, it's not like he normally walks around at 154 and it's just a case of dropping a couple of pounds to make that weight limit and then he can put it back on. You know, this is a guy who goes around at like 165 or something, you know. Yo. That's a huge, a huge sort of weight loss that he has to kind of drop down to. And we've seen that, you know, fighters days before having, they can kill themselves just trying to, trying to lose those few pounds, putting on five, six layers of, of clothes, sitting in steam rooms, going out, running non-stop the morning before the The dehydration weigh. thing it, when it kicks in. It can destroy the body. And yeah, all right, you rehydrate and you eat afterwards, but, you know, that's it's a much bigger thing. So, And we know that while Canelo doesn't necessarily kill himself to make the 154 limit, he does have to go through... Pain to get to the 152. Quite, quite a bit. And it's just, you know... If you do have to lose those extra two, my only point I would say is this is the biggest fight of his career. He's known about it a long time. He's known about a catch weight. You'd think that his team and his people they wouldn't have agreed to that. They wouldn't have thrown it out to Floyd if they didn't feel confident that it wasn't going to have too big a bearing. So, let's just say for the sake of the argument, he is going to look fresh. He is going to be in a good state. The other point to add in mention is that. Rumours are that, you know, when Canelo does rehydrate, say he makes the, the weight limit, when he rehydrates, there's rumours that he, he's going to go up. By the time he gets in the ring, he's going to be as, as high as 170. Yeah. Which is, you know, that's that's super that's super middleweight, effectively, against a super welterweight, because Floyd's not... Floyd isn't going to be any heavier than 154. Mm -hmm. That's where he's at. So you're talking about one fight having 15 pounds, potentially more, and a big hitter... Is that going to play a big advantage to Canelo? But who knows? Yeah, maybe, absolutely. maybe it leaves him a bit sluggish, a bit, a bit slower. Yeah. But, but again, it's definitely like absolutely the fight of the year. So looking forward to this. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. I'm, I'm also surprised of how many people, big name, you know, great people in the sport, think that it's just going to be a walk in the park for Floyd. I'm under the impression it's going to be fairly easy. I think his his boxing skills are there's such of there's. All right, there's both of them are like fantastic fighters, obviously, but Floyd's level of skill is considerably higher, and it's enough to even like the best boxers in the world. He can I see them taking this by like a good three or four rounds. I don't really see Canelo being able to. There's lots of talk of yeah, again, will he be able to get in close and will he? Yeah, 
But I, I don't see him. He, you see, I don't think he is skilled wise in archery. He's not quick enough. He doesn't have that super spark. He's an excellent boxer. He's strong. He's tough. But I don't see him I think having the extra ability quick. to really power through Floyd. I don't think he's strong enough for that. Even if he, even if he's going in at like 165 pounds after he's rehydrated. But um, well, it's a good point. And I do, as I say, I do have Floyd as the favourite. But I don't. I think this is going to be. I would argue this is going to be maybe the, one of the toughest fights of his career. And I don't think it's a, a certainty. I there's part. I don't know why. And I know a lot of people will say now nah, Floyd's just got too scared. And I totally see like where you're coming from. And I understand why people say no. Nah, it's just it's just Floyd is too good. Mm-hmm. But there's something in me that just I don't know. There's something <laughs> in me. I really do think people don't give Canelo enough. Enough credit and for enough respect skill. for his for everything. I think his cycle. There's so much more in the game, and I really do think he is going to be a future like a, a massive. I mean, he's a massive name already. I think that the trouble with a lot of people looking at it is he is so. It's the other extreme. A lot of Mexican people. There are people who blow him just far too high. Irish people. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, there are a lot of people who who put him right up on a pedestal mm-hmm. and I think they're a bit unrealistic um, with what he does but on the same same uh, point there are a lot of people who I don't think give him nearly enough respect I could be wrong about this but I, I there's something in me that just I wouldn't be surprised with the KO <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised I'm not holding my guns out but yeah but uh, anyway that one uh, is the again like the big fight of the year but on the same car oh wow Again, this is one of my favourite cars of boxing, so we'll move on to the next one. So, again, same night, undercard in the same fight. Uh, Danny Garcia, Richard's favourite, up against Lucas uh, Matisse. Say his name. Matisse. <laughs> Lucas Matisse. <laughs> Lucas Matisse. God, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if it is Matisse or Matisse. But uh, I'm not sure. About, you often hear American people will refer to him as Matisse, but I'm not, I'm not sure if the E is a, a science, so it's just Matisse. But uh, anyway, so it's in the uh, junior welterweight division for Garcia's ring WBC and WBA titles. And uh, Garcia going into this undefeated, so he's gone through, ran through Amir Khan, had a war against Zab Judah recently, had a couple of uh, fights against Agent Eric Morales. Yeah, but, oh, um, I'm really glad they had a rematch. I really felt that needed to be resolved. That <laughs> question, didn't it? So it's whether or not the super tough Danny Garcia is going to be able to stand up against uh, the powerhouse, much bomb lane lunatic yeah, that is the Argentinian exactly uh, atom bomb. Uh, much like the Matisse uh, or Matisse Peterson fight. I think both fighters, their styles are kind of similar in that sense that they like to come forward. Yeah, they like to come forward. They're not afraid of 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 having a bit of a war. But you know, for me, just Matisse has got more pace. Got more like Danny's got that left hook, but it's bit, that's like his one punch. Yeah, that can really nail people. Lucas, he's got a number of different <laughs> punches. He's he just feels more complete, more fluid. I think I I think he's. I think he's got a slightly better chin, slightly, and I think he's he's got more power, and I just think he's a little bit tougher. Um, given their styles, I just think in that scenario, I just for me, I feel he comes in. Matisse, that's the other thing is he's not just a brawler. I think he's he's actually a, a smart thinking fighter. Oh, yeah, he sets he up his big shots, um, and I don't think Danny has the style or the adaptability uh, more to the point to win the fight. I can see I can see Danny getting knocked out. I can't see Matisse getting knocked out. I can say out. I have high hopes for Danny Garcia, and I think he probably is going to take this on um, a decision because I don't think he's going to knock out. You think Danny's going to win? Yeah, I think he's going to out-tough it. He strikes me as being one of those type of guys who can actually really go through 
all-round... I think, I'll put it this way. The reason I think he's going to be able to do that is Devin Alexander and Zab Judah both able both able to stand up and beat uh, Matisse. Did you watch the, the fights? Because I didn't rounds. think either of them won it. But in any case, but if you watch it, there are a lot of... They managed to go like the entire distance, and he wasn't landing bombs. Yeah, but he's, on moved them to on, knock them down. he's moved on a lot from them. I think even and if I he's, think he won those fights. Garcia's defense is good enough to where he's not going to take five or he's, six massive shots. He's too flat-footed. He might take a couple, but um, I have high hopes for Danny Garcia. I'll sum it up. I'll sum, I want to get him on the show in the future, so we're going to have to right. slag him off. Well, I'll sum, I'll sum Danny up in uh, with one word when it comes to elite-level uh, boxing fights. Limited. <laughs> no seriously Danny as I say he's a good all round boxer I just think he's been brainwashed by his brother's old man isn't he <laughs> aka his, his dad <laughs> um, both big hitters but for me Lucas hit I think hard. that might be it's, it's going to be great yeah, and I'm going to almost a more exciting I, I do think Danny's getting knocked out uh, well, we'll go in the to... words of Amir Khan you're getting knocked out in your hometown <laughs> Madison no um, listen I yeah Shall we go on to the uh, next one? Let's move on. Okay, so uh, this one is uh, Aisha Smith. So in the junior middleweight division this time for uh, against Carlos Molina. So uh, Smith is ranked very high. He's like number eight and uh, Carlos Molina is ranked number six. But um, for, I guess anyone who doesn't know that uh, I think it's less than like being like one of the greatest boxing matches of all time. I think it's going to be like really close. And um, if you're a betting man, stick some cash on Molina because I'm pretty confident he's going to take this. Their records aren't massively dissimilar. It's like 25 wins apiece or... And about five losses, but um, yeah, super looking forward to it. It's gonna be yeah, that's gonna be. Aisha Smith is getting a bit on when he's like thirty. I think he's like thirty-five now. Okay. And um, where Carlos Mina has got like six or seven years, and he's like in his kind of late twenties. Yeah. But it's for uh, Molina, who's he lost to recently? So uh, James Kirkland, but by disqualification, so no kind of fear of that. How do you, do you know the DQ? Was he punching in the balls? <laughs> yeah, James <laughs> yes, Kirkland. So. Again, if he's learned from the best. But, um, James Kirkland, that's a tough, he's a tough opponent. I think so. for some reason, I don't know why this is, but Aisha Smith seems to be, um, I think because he got, um, Floyd kept on singing his praises and maybe he's on Floyd's uh, promotion or something similar. Yeah. That, um, I think he's like a betting favourite going into this. So again, any gamblers out there, stick Ten quid on Carlos Molina to win that one because I think he's got a real good shake. Uh, Molina or oh, Molina to win. Yeah. No, no, Molina to win. Yeah, I think I he's going to have that. And um, anyway, the we're going to like the last one of the uh, weekend. Okay. So uh, Britain's own, I suppose, Ashley Theophane versus I could last time I referred to this guy, I said little known, but uh, now we know about him. So Pablo Ciso Cano and the uh, welterweight division. So again, one that's. For this one, it's actually Theophane pretty much stepping up in class. This is going to be like the uh, biggest name of these uh, ever four. Yeah. Even though the uh, Pablo Acano, he isn't like um, the greatest boxer in the history of the world. He's lost to Shane Mosley. Lost to Shane Mosley recently. Lost to Paulie Malinati. The well, he's only human, isn't he? Feather-handed <laughs> speedster. Lost to an aging Eric Morales. But uh, nonetheless, he stepped it up in like the towards like the highest class of the uh, welterweight division actually Theophane he's pretty much getting on a bit what is he now 32 and um, he hasn't got like a bad record it's like 39 wins and like um, 30 wins oh, sorry 39 uh, fights with about 30 yeah. wins but uh, he's he not the biggest a... the reason I think it's going to be interesting neither one of these guys is the biggest puncher no, in the world no. so it's uh, the younger uh, Kano and whether or not he's going to be able to step up and actually take on like a, in England at least like a fairly big name Yeah, but one that's I mean... super close <sighs> I don't know. I, I I've got to go with I've got to go with our boy, and I. Mm-hmm. Gonna have to go with Ashley, mate. Again, fighting at the MGM Grand. 
big stuff, but a lot great of stuff. stuff. Great stuff. To but um, get on the undercard. Yeah. Well, actually, as we pointed out, as that is a brilliant. And straight after that, oh, we've got some matches after that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Two, two weeks time, we'll be back. But yeah, that that about wraps up the uh, previews. Previews. Hope you enjoyed them. And uh, yeah, seriously, don't bet on Danny Garcia. <laughs> 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 and and if the odds are right, go for a cheeky uh, Alvarez KO. <laughs> Money in the bank. Don't worry about all those other predictions I make which get wrong. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> this time, this time. Okay, people, so it's that time of the show. We're going to do Didn't Used to Be a Boxer, but this week it's actually called Didn't Used to Be a Golfer, and we've got Greg Norman as the... <laughs> 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 the great white shark, was he? No, I'm only That's kidding. a bit disappointing because all my research has been on a. Uh, I've gone for someone else. <laughs> <laughs> Who have you gone for? I've then? gone for uh, Joe Bogner. Oh, oh, the boxer? Yeah. Oh, all right, we're doing this week. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, no, I was being silly about it, Greg Norman. He's next week. So, uh, <laughs> no, he's not. he's not. Joe Bogner, take it away, my man. Lovely. So, um, Bogner, so uh, born in 1950 in Hungary, and um, his family like uh, fled after the uh, 1956 uh, Soviet invasion. And basically, him and his family, they probably moved in England. And uh, I guess what he's most famous for is for um, two things. One, he went the distance with Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier. No, no mean feat. No mean feat, indeed. And he was incredibly unpopular in this country because he beat Henry Cooper in 1971. Um, the reason I brought him up is we talked like a few uh, weeks ago about um, when we were doing like the Tommy Morrison thing, we talked about like the nature of celebrity. Yeah. This is a fine example of. If you can make one mistake in your career, that will haunt him for all time. Right. So, anyway, he uh, retired for the last time in uh, 1999. It's a bit like um, O.J. Simpson, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> one small mistake. <laughs> one little all. error. And, uh, he retired in 1999. He had a final record of 69... Uh, wins 13 losses and like 45 of them or something close coming through um by way of knockout anyway he's he was like a big guy so he's like six four and his prime is about 220 pounds he basically earned himself like a reputation as like being tough durable exceptionally defensive and cautious so um yeah he wasn't he was basically criticized like a, a lot for being just didn't have that kind of natural aggression in the ring had outside the ring but in the ring. <laughs> so, Why? What did he get up to outside? You're going to get to that. I'm going to rattle on through. So, uh, 1960s. He had like a short amateur career. Uh, career turned professional in 67. At a real young. He was like only like 17. Oh, yes, uh, anyway, in the first like two years, he got himself real impressive, I've got to say. 18 uh, consecutive uh, fights in those two years. 13 of them come away of uh, KO. In two years? In two years. That's, so yeah, there's like my, almost like a Tyson standard are coming yeah, through. Yeah. Anyway, 1970, that's the year that he finally got himself to be uh, world rated. And uh, he won like another nine consecutive bouts, uh, including, including victories, because we were talking about him last week, Chuck Wepner, the oh, bear yeah. fighting lunatic. <laughs> and um, so early 1970, now he's positioned himself as like uh, world rated. And so he comes up against the uh, fight for Henry Cooper. So this is for Cooper's British Commonwealth European titles. So, in March 1971, he gets himself a fight with Cooper, 15-round uh, decision, wins it by the slimmest of margins. So, this is back in the day when, rather than having judges, you had one judge in the ring. Oh, yeah. And he gave it by literally not even, like, half a round to uh, How Bogner. How can you do that? Could, the scoring was slightly different. They didn't have the 10-8, as we do now. They had right. Or ten nine say, as we do now. If you're not even by half a round, that is uh, fucking that is tiny. as slim as it gets. But uh, the British sporting press and public, they were like massively divided about the verdict, and pretty much Bugner after that just became like a hate figure. 
Yeah. So uh, he's got a quote and he said, um, if Cooper had won that night, I'd still be living in Britain. What happened to me after that fight was worse than being crucified. <laughs> One moronic Labour MP even called for me to be stripped of my title, stripped of my assets and sent back to wherever I came from. Nonetheless, so uh, Buckingham is now like the British uh, Commonwealth European champion. And um, this is like the first time he gets rated in the world uh, top 10 heavyweights. And he pretty much, he's going to remain there for like the next dec- decade, all the way throughout the 70s. He kind of later said, this is one of the quotes about um, Cooper. Henry Cooper was not a heavyweight. If he were Buckingham today, he'd be a cruiserweight. Yeah. That is why he never beat any serious heavyweights. Which again is the type of that's kind of true though. Yeah, it kind of lacks that magnanimous charm that people like in their fighters. Don't <laughs> beat up a beloved. It's like a slap princess like that. I mean, they call her a bit of a bitch. Yeah, she very. She's like Danny Garcia to me, mate. Very overrated. And he said this one is quote. He said, "Along comes a, a young twenty-one-year-old who beats Cooper, and it's for that reason the British just never forgave me." And I'm not talking about the fans. I'm talking about the British press, the media. Yeah, well, nightmare, though, aren't they? That guy is prophetic because. Uh, Shit happens later on in his life. Anyway, the okay. pri- comes into like his prime year. So 1973, he's 23 years old. He loses uh, 12 rounds to Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier. Do you know by how much? Oh, uh, the by Muhammad, a good few. The Muhammad Ali one was a bit of like a lopsided. Right. But um, it was the one with Frazier. So this was 1973. They're fighting in Earl's Court in um, London. So it's basically deemed to be like a bit of a classic. So... Um, after being knocked down by like a tremendous kind of left hook in the 10th round, Bugner got up, then staggered Frazier towards the end of the round. Frazier basically took the decision, but only really, really narrowly. And um, it was basically one of the best performances of Bugner's career, right, coming up against okay. like the legendary yeah. Joe Frazier. So anyway, by the end of 1974, now he's in the top five uh, heavyweight contenders. So um, again, he goes off and he had the fight with uh, Muhammad Ali, sorry, in 1975, took place in Kuala Lumpur. And um, again, just Ali, massive uh, landslide. So, 1976, that's it, Bugner, retiring. Right. That's it, done. Within months, count this with me, as retirement number one, I, within months, he decides, that's it, coming back. So, in 1977, he uh, comes back and then decides he's going to fight top weight contender, Ron Lyle. Oh, wow. Seen the... Lyle v. Foreman? Yeah. Poor. One of the greatest fights of all time. It's unbelievable, that one. And uh, he's got a quote about it. He says, To cut a long story short, Ron Lyle was an ex-jailbird and learned uh, boxing while inside. When I met him, he said, you got no chance of beating me because I'm going to kill you. <laughs> the fight went the full 12 rounds. This is literally, this is all a quote from him. The fight went the, uh, uh, the full 12 rounds. After the bout, I had blood coming out of me and they rushed me to Las Vegas Emergency Hospital and they discovered I had internal bleeding. They put me into an ice tank. It took, it took me six months to recover from that fight. Ron Lyle was just a punishing fighter. Yeah. He kept telling me during the fight, I am going to kill you, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to kill you, motherfucker. Ron Lyle. Wow. Anyway, so after that fight, decided to sack his manager because he got the shit kicked out of him. Yeah. He had like a 10-year relationship with the manager. Decided to sack him. And um, his quote was, he wanted to go to a party. talking about his manager. He wanted to go to a party after the fight rather than look after my welfare. And I paid him 25% of my purse. What a... What a- that's boxing for you, people. Anyway. Hey, he's lucky he wasn't dealing with Don King. <laughs> <laughs> After this, he thinks, that's it, I'm retiring. Retirement number two. So we're on two. Two so, retirements. Uh, two retirements so far. So he comes into the 1980s, takes three years out of the ring, and then he returned in uh, May 1980, knocking out just like a couple of like fringe contenders. And then so decides, how old was he then, do you know? Uh, when was he born? 1973. So he's, what, 27. Okay. So uh, comes so, back, a couple of fringe contenders, nothing doing. 
that's it. I'm definitely defo retiring. Not coming out. Retires mm. for the third time. So uh, come 982, our ring rusty Bogner this way. Time weighing 30 pounds overweight decides to come back and he decides he's gonna fight uh, Ernie Shavers. Another big name. Another big name. Second round gets beat up. Stopped. <laughs> Stopped in the second round. Stopped in the second round. So now it's like. Decides anyway, this is no this time I'm defo coming back. I've had like three retirements so far, bullshit, I'm keeping on, on going. So uh he comes up against Marvis Frazier, son of Joe. Right. Yeah. Doesn't show the greatest of ambition going into it. Loses that one. Four times retired. This is the fourth time. So this time he decides, comes to 1986, that's it, he does, does move to Australia. He's hated in Britain, nothing going on. Oh, moves they're to loving Aus- that there then, not they? Moves to Australia, decides to take on the nickname Aussie Joe. Oh, for a minute there, I thought you were going to say decided to uh, change his name to Greg Norman. And- <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Aussie Joe. Aussie Joe, takes oh, off the nickname. So it get himself ingratiated with our uh, Australian yeah, cousins. Good thinking. Comes back and again launches himself on maybe like a fairly successful comeback. Or it's like a couple of good victories, literally against other world title, uh, title contenders. 986. Then he starts chatting about taking on Mike Tyson. This is going to be huge. Going to come back in. Yeah, good thinking, mate. The pride. <laughs> the British press isn't interested in him fighting Mike Tyson. They're interested in this guy coming back and fighting Frank Bruno. So it was touted at the time and the as. The British press still not liking him. They haven't even come close. Oh, so. He comes back in his day, one of the British, uh, biggest British uh, heavyweight fights of all time. Uh, since, Cooper, since he fought Cooper, basically, this time comes up against uh, Frank Bruno. Took place in uh, 1987, this time Bugner, just eighth round, TKO. Just because fighting at White Hart Lane, which is a big football stadium in uh, London. And, uh, this Spurs, time, mate. Exactly. Huge home crowd, the whole crowd cheering on Bruno, loses that one. And uh, this is, to be fair to uh, Bugner, it's only like his third stoppage in like, almost like 20 years. Right. Retirement number five. That's it. That's good. That's a Done. good number of retirements. So then it comes up to like the 1990s. And uh, if you've, do you know what Joe Bugner looks like? No. He is not the prettiest. Shall I, shall I get him? Have up a quick look. He is, you keep talking. He's not the prettiest man that's ever world, uh, lived on the planet. But uh, nonetheless, Hollywood, God bless it, doesn't stop people from being ugly. So he started in, uh, remember the 1994 film Street Fighter? Jean-Claude Van Damme? Do I ever, mate? I saw that in uh, in Tenerife, mate. In, on a pirate straight after Power Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> he comes up. So God, yeah, he is. Is he in Celebrity? I'm oh, a Celebrity, get me out. Oh, we're coming wow. to that. So, uh, anyway, he starts in uh, films with uh, Jean Claude Van Damme. Who, who, did, who did he play in Street Fighter? Do you know? He's the, he plays the boxer. I can't remember his character's name. Oh, um, the boxer who was modelled after Mike Tyson. Yeah. M. Bison. I think <laughs> he <was> called. <laughs> That's clever, isn't it? Yeah? Very clever. And uh, anyway, so he does his Hollywood thing, and then he sees a 45-year-old George Foreman recapture the world title. Thinks I'll have a bit of that. You're goddamn right, you know. <laughs> Comes straight back in. He's been five times retired. Nah, he's definitely coming back. Did he ever fight Foreman back in the day, around the time when he was fighting no. Ali? No, it's one of the big, uh, only one of the big three he only missed off. And he comes back in, 1995, unbelievably, wins the Australian heavyweight title. And it went on to fight like a load of other uh, kind of younger, far younger opponents, because now right. he's... Uh, Coming up to being like in his kind of late 30s. He finally, after like a 1998, finally wins a world crown. Okay. It's fairly lightly regarded, the old <laughs> WBF title. 
Well, World Boxing well, Federation. Anyone a big I, fan of that? Yeah, I think you know it's an important title. Somebody needs to have it. Well, James Bonecrusher Smith had it before, and he came in and beat him and took <sighs> exactly. it from him. Exactly. You don't get a name like that if it's a Mickey Mouse title. So he fights one more time. Night, night, uh, comes up to night, night, nine. Finally, retirement number six. For all you people at home, count how many That's times? Six, mate. That's six gone times. on to the other hand on my hands. I've got, <laughs> I've got two up now. So anyway, he decides to move to Australia, and he, uh, with his wife, opens a vineyard. So this is his life. Vineyard, mate. Vineyard. What did I say? Vineyard. A vineyard. So uh, what's he doing now? He's life outside boxing. So sticks all his moves to Australia, opens up a, a vineyard. Unfortunately, that didn't go the best. Ever. Why did he drink it all? Uh, he, he lost. He looks like a bit of a boozer. It's estimated that he lost about two million Australian dollars in that particular Yeah, round. but if you do the conversion, that's only that's less than a million pounds. Still a lot. And for it's her. and it's uh, it's just under two million dollars for you American listeners. So you know <laughs> when you weigh it up like that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, anyway, so he's uh, searching around the place looking for work, and he finally gets a. He gets a job as the expert advisor on Cinderella Man, the film at Russell Crowe. Oh, wow, okay. And um, anyway, he does that for a couple of weeks, and maybe Buckner's character isn't, maybe he's not the nicest or friendliest fellow in the world. Falls uh, out with Russell Crowe. Falls out with Crowe, and then calls oh. Crowe a gutless worm and a fucking girl. Oh, I bet Crowe loved that, didn't he? Well, they really, they two could have had a proper fight. Anyway, so now he's into, he's got like financial problems, and they had like a benefit from a couple of years ago, back in uh, 2008. And um, comes 2009, and this is where it kind of wraps it up and talking about celebrities. It finally gets on, I want to be, um, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. Does the British press finally forgive him? The moral of this guy's entire life is just don't beat up Henry Cooper. Yeah. Just don't do that. But the thing is with the British press is they're not very forgiving, are they? No, absolutely. No, like, I mean, look at Ron Atkinson. <laughs> 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 Everyone's favourite racist. <laughs> yeah, he makes one Just one na- na- really inappropriately racist comment on live on telly all around the world, oh. and you know he he's... hold that against him. <laughs> Never give him a fair shake. In the words of Floyd. No. Anyway, so this is, I'm going to read out. This is a quote from the Sun, just to kind of wrap it up. Okay. So. What the Sun said, then this was like a massive front page uh, story when Bogner was on that TV show, the celebrity thing. And it says, millions have watched Bogner trying to, try to provoke the other I'm a celebrity contestants with his outlandish views. Okay. But viewers will be shocked to learn of his wife beating past. The ex-wife of, of a I'm a celebrity get me out of here star, Joe Bogner, last, last night heard how he beat her black and blue, talking about the wife, during their 10-year marriage. She revealed that their ex-heavyweight champion is a rotten father who has abandoned one of his sons, having convinced himself that the child was fathered by another man. Yeah, but... Yeah. Bogner cheated on her more than 100 times. Just when you think, fair-sided, bit reporting. Cheated on her more than 100 times. This, again, these are quotes. Including while she was pregnant and recovering in hospital, in hospital from a car crash. Is this the son? Oh yeah, <laughs> sounds like the son. He, he refused to pay a penny in child maintenance, and after their kind of three uh, children split, despite his massive wealth. This is the quote they decided to throw in there about this guy's life. Talking about from the ex-wife. Papers, though, isn't it? From the ex-wife. <laughs> he is a beast who cheated on me, broke me, beat me, and destroyed my life. I'll never forgive him. He's utter filth, and the people watching him on TV should know what he's really like. Well, there you go. That's another lesson for you, Joe, mate. Don't go on, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here after you've beaten Tommy Cooper. You know, they're asking for trouble. They're going to drag your name. 
<laughs> yeah, don't be Tommy Cooper or Henry Cooper. Either, either one. one of them. But um, yeah. anyway, in terms of what he's doing now, so now he's living on the Gold Coast. Again, just rampant so just, just bias to, in the English press. All right, just to track back, I mean, that does sound like classic hate-mongering uh, oh, something. But there must, what's the, there must have been some truth in that, yeah? It's Obviously, the massive wealth is probably wrong. I mean, there's stories to say that Buckner might be, again, maybe he's not the nicest guy in the world. And again, if these stories are true about him abusing his ex-wife, again, like he's an absolute monster. On the other hand, I've no idea if that is true, because they didn't ask Buckner in that interview. They just had a two-braid spread clear yeah. interview on one side, his ex-wife, who who knows what kind of went on in their marriage. Exactly. But in any case, what's he doing now? So, um, sadly, it's just not great, I'll be honest. He's on uh, painkillers for, like, severe... How uh, animal problems. There's some research in oh, his okay. life. All right. And, um... He's still like training, even though like he's, now he's in his kind of blade. What is it now? He's he looked about. He looked about. Yeah, he doesn't look great. He's like in his fifties, uh, uh, but um, he's like a full blown like Australian citizen and living out there trying to make uh, ends meet in the Gold Coast. But um, yeah, he looks. Of... He looks out of all the countries. If he had to move out of Hungary, Australia, he looks a bit like an Australian. <laughs> he looks very he? much like he an Australian. Type him in, especially in the picture I saw of him in. I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. Where he's wearing a a green army coloured vest all those cork hats yeah <laughs> stick one of them on him good eye mate hey you're doing mine's Bagner. <laughs> Joe Bagner. <laughs> and, uh, anyway yeah but that's uh, didn't you used to be a boxer of this that's week life and time of Joe Bagner. great stuff alright okay that's uh, wraps that's it the wraps show. it up for this week I hope you enjoyed it Thanks for listening and um, make sure you watch all the upcoming fights. Absolutely, it's going to be like a fantastic couple of weeks. So um, we're going to be back in what about two weeks' time? Yeah, and uh, again review all the action and whatnot. We'll look forward to the. There's a lot of other big fights coming up, but in the meantime, if you want to get in contact, if you've got any uh, comments or things you want to hit us up on Twitter, hit us up. Yeah, we're on Twitter. We're at twitter.com/slash punchdrunkpod. We've also got a group, Punchdrunk Boxing Podcast, on Facebook. You can uh, send us messages there. Get in contact with uh, Roberta again. He's he's in a fight coming up. We didn't talk about. We that. didn't talk about that. It's coming up on the seventh, so this this weekend. Yeah. Um, but after that, you know, he's probably after his massive, great big win. He's going to be on the booze, I'd imagine. <laughs> on the booze and with a pen, so we'll get some good answers. Probably. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, send us a, a message, and if you do happen to know a boxer you reckon who could definitely punch a gorilla in the face and get away with it make sure you <laughs> make sure you let us know um but until in the meantime uh yeah just, thanks just, for listening thanks for listening peace bye i grew up on the crime side the new york time side staying alive was no job had second hands